Okay, we'll jump in. Good morning. If you haven't met me before, my name is Chris, and I'm married to Alice, who is leading the first half. And good to be with good to be with you all. And so we're on a series which we're calling the ecosystem of God's kingdom, and it's really an ex- when we say in the Lord's prayer, "Your kingdom come." It's kind of the other end of that. What is it that we're looking for? What is it that we're expecting? What is, the, what is the kingdom? What does it look like? And today, I'm going to be intertwining something of what I think we're, God's calling us to build here as a church, here at Hope Chapel, in with one of the parables that Jesus um, uses to describe what the kingdom's like. So let's just take a moment and we'll pray, and then we'll kick off. Thinking about, Lord, thinking about what Alice said in the first half about sort of moments in time that are significant. Um, we give this next half an hour or so, 35 minutes, we're gonna, I'm going to speak and then we're going to respond in worship as well. We pray that in this time, and actually I think the sort of fellowship time we have afterwards as well is all part of that as well. So we pray that this time, um, all of it, is, is feeding times for our spirits. It's a time when you... You develop and grow us as your church. We pray that you give us eyes to see the kingdom, ears to hear it, a heart to understand what it is you're saying to us through your word and this morning. Amen. Great. So this is like, this is almost a micro parable. It's super short. And blink and you miss it. It's, um, it's from Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. And Jesus told them this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all all your seeds, when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. We're going to be kind of weaving through that, that parable and meditating on it in the context of what we're building here as a church uh, this morning. Do you know that we've officially changed our name? It's on the bank statement. It's uh, That must be official. So we're now called Hope Chapel. Oh, you say, weren't we always called Hope Chapel? Well, officially, we used to be called Hope Community Church, which was the, peop- the name of the people, and the building was Hope Chapel. But all across the city, everyone just referred to us as Hope Chapel. And it seems to make a lot of sense just to change our name. And let's be simple, and we'll just call it Hope Chapel. Um, so back in the, back in the uh, uh, last summer, uh, maybe, it was, maybe it was the summer before, we changed our... Tony, do shut that door if it's a bit noisy. Do feel free. Thanks. Um, we painted up on the... And what's brilliant, if you come across the big swing bridge, have you seen this from South Bristol? You can see Hope Chapel um, on the hillside along all the crescents and things. It's a really, it's a really cool view. And people, some people were suggesting to us, now that we've changed our name and now we've got this new typeface at the top of our building, wouldn't it be good to sort of rebrand and, 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 and have a refresh of our visuals and so on? And, um, and a few people were saying, hey, Pete Vickers is a really good guy for this. Do you know Pete? Pete and Esther, little Boaz, they often, they're often in this sort of zone of the room on a Sunday morning. And um, because that's his profession, that's what he does for his job. So I, I went and said to Pete, hey, Pete, would you be up for um, doing a kind of brand redesign for us, and some new logo and, and, and so on? And he said, actually, I've been thinking of offering that as a gift to the church. I'd love to do that, something for free, gift of my time. Um, 
and it's, it's quite a big deal. It's a lot of work. And, um, and so, but, but wonderful. Uh, so took him up on that offer and he said, start off with you come around to my house and we'll have an evening together. You can share with me the story of hope, the culture, the vision, the values, so that I kind of get what we're all about and can then start to design appropriate imagery and brands and logos and stuff to go with that. So we had a brilliant evening. <coughs> uh, it's always special to be able to share the story of the church and, and, and our sense of how God sees us and what he's called us to. And then he said, now get together a group of maybe three or four creative people from within the church and have some time putting together a kind of a mood board that will kind of show maybe some of the look and feel of what it looks like and, and what it is. And there's, there's loads of creative people in the church. But, um, so I, I chose, I, I, just, I asked uh, Nat Palmer, Bex Marriott and Kate Saw to come and join me for a cup of coffee uh, when we were together um, do some of this mood board stuff and start to look at what would be our, our branding. And I don't know if you know Nat, but he's also a, a furniture designer, a designer and, and creative person. And he often starts off his projects by doing what he calls dream time, which is a bit like our original design prayer time. And it's asking God to speak about how he sees things. So we had a, we said, right, we'll start off with five minutes and we'll have one of these dream time sessions. We'll ask God to speak to us about how he sees Hope Chapel. And we can kind of go from there. So um, we had five minutes of sitting quietly, listening to God, sketching some things down. And then when everyone came back to share um, what they felt God say, I was really excited about it because it was all really similar stuff. And, and it seems to me to describe what was inherently hope, but maybe I hadn't quite realized. It, it put some description to kind of what was what felt like we were already. I'll share a few of the um, I'll share a few of the things that came up. One of them was um, a reminder of the horse and his boy uh, by C.S. Lewis, a story where there's um, I don't think I've read it, but there's um, this a, a sort of a walled garden that becomes a safe haven for the for the boy. It's kind of an oasis, a kind of a safe space in the midst of presumably some drama and battle and, and, and challenge. And he comes into this, this garden and, it's, and it looks pretty dull on the outside, but inside it's this place that, that's rich and full of life. Another one was, Alice mentioned this in the first half, streams of water, streams of living water, streams in the desert. Another one was um, Hope Chapel is full of plants, a sense of abundance, leafiness, greenness. Another one was that it's like an oasis in the desert. It's a place of water and life and vibrancy in the middle of a, of a desert. Another one was growth and people saw plants coming all over the balconies and this sense of, sense of growth. Another one was that outside um, it's quite simple, but inside it's an explosion of plants. <laughs> I was particularly excited because I love gardening and I was really keen not to over-influence this, so I didn't say any of this stuff. This was all from the other people. And... Um, uh, and it was, it was, there were a few other, few other themes as well. There was a theme around mosaics and as a, as a, as a potential sort of, um, and then there were some things around color schemes and, and, and look and feel as well. But isn't that amazing? Those one, two, three, four, five, six, six different, uh, senses that people had about this sort of explosion of plants, garden, oasis. Um, <clears throat> and I think, as I said, for me that, what was exciting was it felt like that described, um, hope. And it described, and it described the kingdom of God, um, 
the gar- it starts in the garden, doesn't it? And it, the Bible, and it ends in a garden city. And and and, and we see so so often through the scripture this this image of garden of life of of overflowing overflowing water. I love that this is more than just what's the sort of style of our logo, what's the sort of font should we use? But but I think what this woke up in me was actually is there more than just sort of presenting some graphics of like Tesco is rebranded and they've now gone from I don't know navy blue to teal blue or, or whatever it is. It's like this was an this was an, an expression of actually this is this is this is who we are, and I'll come back to that. God's been, I think God's been speaking to us for the last few years about this about the concept of of minster. Some of you will be familiar with that term, and and minsters were the were the first Christian buildings in the UK. So back. Um, uh, back in the sort of Celtic times, do you know that England, the Anglo-Saxon people, were the only, I think they were the only pagans, they were the only people that hadn't become Christianized within the entire Roman Empire. The French had, the Welsh had, the Scots had, the Irish had, the, it was the Anglo-Saxons, some of you are looking quite smug, yes. <laughs> the Anglo-Saxons were the ones that didn't, um, didn't, hadn't been Christianized. There was no openness within them to Christianity. So St. Aidan comes over as a missionary from Ireland, and he goes up to the northeast, up to Lindisfarne area, around Newcastle and, and, and Durham and Northumberland. Happy people in the room, thumbs up. Um, love that part of the world. And th- their strategy for bringing Christianity to these hardened, hard-nosed, God-hate, despising pagans was to build... Um, was to build, <laughs> Jane's loving this, <laughs> um, was to build uh, these holy villages. And, and Lindisfarne is an example of this. Here's a picture, which, oh no, have I gone, oh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead in my script. This is a picture, is Claire Allen still here? Oh, she's in youth. I got this from her Facebook last night. So <laughs> um, <laughs> copyright Claire Allen. Um, I, I must be in the wrong, um, I must be in the wrong order of my script. Excuse me. Well, I'll, okay, okay. What I what I was saying was that um, their strategy was to plant these 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 kind of holy villages, and they would immerse themselves in prayer for f- about forty days. It says they would do battle with the gods of the land in prayer, and and then they would live amongst these um, these pagans, and they would uh, just live according to a different ecosystem live according to a different set of values. We see in the Gospels, don't we, how Jesus just shakes up things by doing things in a completely different way. And these guys did the same thing. They, would, they wouldn't exact revenge on people that were trying to kill them. They would show mercy. They would forgive people who hurt them. They wouldn't lead in a sort of dictatorial, axe-welding, just, just kill everyone kind of way, but they would wash people's feet. They would serve people. And, and, and this was the way that they, they lived. And they, they did it in a way that was settled in the land in these villages and um and that's what what really what i think i meant by this thing of um uh kingdom ecosystem you know this is like a a kind of tropical underwater ecosystem where plants and animals and creatures live together in a in a in a different way these people in the northeast of england live together in a different way and that was how those hardened anglo-saxons came to believe in jesus that the, the place the people um, immersed in prayer, living living by a, a different value system. They tasted it, they saw it. 
And that was how England became a Christian nation. And remind, remind me if I forget about Aidan's deathbed, will you? If I'm rounding up the talk and you say, Chris, you didn't tell us about Aidan's deathbed, just, just remind me. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> but I, want, I wonder if this strategy of like holy village, immersed people in the landscape, rhythm of prayer, I, I wonder, is that how, maybe that would be how our nation again would turn back to God. I mean, this is what we're all about, isn't it? This is, this is what it is. We want to see our nation come to know Jesus. We want to see our nation transformed. And, and, and I, th- I think that we're probably at a time in history when just rational argument and explanation of the gospel on its own maybe isn't enough. Just, just sharing a message isn't enough. Actually, Jesus said we've got to show the world that, um, that we're his disciples by the way that we love one another. I wonder if the world needs something that's more immersive, more long-term, more beautiful than just a, a message that is rational, makes good rational sense, but is, is nonetheless just a sort of spoken message. And I think when we see this parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. The smallest of seeds becomes this largest of garden plants. That's really slow, isn't it? It's not a kind of quick fix. Boom, suddenly um, revival has come or that the, the nation has suddenly turned upside down in a really dramatic way. It's something that happens slowly and steadily. And as I, as I was thinking about this last night, I was thinking, I was going, I was thinking about What's the right analogy for that? Is it saying that, that mega is wrong, like the massive is wrong, and actually it's the small and the slow and steady? I don't think that quite describes the kingdom either, as we see it here. Because the extraordinary thing about that mustard seed, and Jesus talks about grains of wheat, doesn't he, elsewhere, is that that, that mustard seed, yes, it takes a long time to grow into one tree, but then that tree, how many, we don't, you know, how, how many, how many acorns does a, an oak tree have? that grew out of that one acorn. There's an extraordinary uh, multiplication. That, you know, a grain of wheat is just one bit of wheat, and, it, and how many does it produce in modern grain? Maybe like 100, maybe between 30 and 100 or so grains of wheat in each. That's the, that's the way the kingdom grows. So it's not that, that massive is wrong. It's not that mega is not God's design. But it's that the a, a key feature of the way that God seems to do things is through investing in in the right ingredients, in a, in a precise and a careful way. It's the quality of the seed. It's, it's the, the importance of the quality of the yeast, which then is going to go through and affect everything. You know, it seemed crazy, didn't it, that Jesus invested three years of his time primarily in just 12 people. But that was how the kingdom spread out from uh, Israel to, to, to us today. So, So for me, listening to this, this dream time about the hope um, brand and design, it, it cracked open for me something, as I said, far more than just um, uh, what, what can our graphics look like on our website and, and, our, and, our, and things that we print out. I felt like through it, my eyes were open to appreciate things like our building in, in a fresh way. And those images of garden and things—that's that, that, the image of the, of the of the life of a follower of Jesus, isn't it? I loved how, in the first half, Alice was describing that 
time when Jesus became real to her, when she was in, in a Christian community just for an evening in some sort of home group type setting. She saw the love in the room. She saw the presence of God in the room and she went away and wanted to change her life as a result. That's the, that's the ecosystem of God's kingdom that um, Alice was describing, describing there. So in terms of, and, the, the, and, I, and so part of this for me is about actually our building. I think it's a, small, a smaller part of it. I think our lives and our lifestyle and our relationships are more important. But I'd always thought of Hope Chapel as being just a sort of functional space. Um, we want to use nice colors when we're painting it and so on. You know, so it looks, it's pleasant to be in. But let's not overinvest in, um, in, in, in a, a space. And, but I think recently I've been coming to appreciate that I think God is, is bigger than just functional and I think and bigger than just the rational and that part of the way that he shows the the world the reality of who he is 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 through compassion and um, David was talking about um about I, I was I was thinking as he was speaking about his passion for justice and and reforming of society um there's also there's also beauty um in the world and there's 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 also um wonder uh love all, all of these things are, are not particularly functional. When we think about the, the attention to detail that God um, gave to the people of Israel when they were building the temple and the tabernacle and the, and, and the spaces to worship, God was really precise. He really cared about what they looked like. There was that craftsman in Exodus 31, maybe, um, Bezalel. Bezalel's in the room, maybe in the room somewhere. Um, middle name for... Um, Andrew Rebecca's son. But he was one of the first, I think he was the first person in the Bible to be described as filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was a craftsman that was making beautiful objects to facilitate their, the worship of uh, Israel's worship. And then, well, we look at, we look at the, the, the creation, don't we? The world around the, the, we had a dragonfly in our garden on uh, yesterday and just watching this dragonfly fly around, the kind of electric blue colors, the structures of the wings. God cares about, um, creation and detail and beauty. Mary in, um, when she cracks this bo- bottle of perfume over Jesus' feet before he's, um, taken away to be crucified, that bottle of perfume, Judas was furious. He's like, that perfume's worth a, a, over a, a year's worth of wages. We could have sold that. We could have given the money to the poor. And Jesus is saying, actually, this act of extravagance is, is, is going to be spoken of all around the world whenever the gospel is, is, is preached. This act of extravagance is really important. I think I'm, I'm waking up to think that, that God is bigger uh, than just a rational description of the gospel in words, and, and, and bigger than just all we need is a functional space, a warehouse would do, that we can meet in. Um, I think, I think uh, he's building something uh, in us as people, as community, in the landscape that will show, show the world he is. I think my feeling is that he's building us into like a garden as a people. And I, wouldn't it be wonderful if people came into Hope Chapel and they, and, and they meet people and they see the space and they go, wow. Apparently that's how um, the Russians in history came to decide that Christianity was real. They went to the city of Constantinople, a Christian city, saw the buildings and were like, saw the Christian buildings of worship. They're like, surely God is real. Let's follow the Christian God. 
the Queen of Sheba, we see she went to see Solomon, didn't she? And, and, and she's blown away by the, by the flourishing of, of, of Solomon's kingdom. And that showed her the, the, the reality of God. So I want, I've been thinking, could we make Hope Chapel look like this? Um, can you flick us on? I feel like I'm disconnected. Oh, thank you. This is Rebecca's painting of, um, of, of Hope Chapel and, th- and this life coming out from the building. And we see that as being, as we pray, as we worship, as we take the, the life of Jesus out into our, into our workplaces and our communities, um, it's a bit like this, um, this, this river which comes out from the place of gathered worship and prayer. And, and, and along that river, things flourish, plants grow, fruit grows. Could we actually make some of that in our landscape? Could we, like, people will go to the, Charlie was saying he went to the fountains in Millennium Square um, the other day with, uh, to play, so the kids could play in the water. Wouldn't it be cool if we had, if Hope Chapel was seen as a destination? Hey, let's go to Hope Chapel. Let's play in the ground. They've got these amazing water features that the kids just love playing in. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, let me tell you about Hope's toilets because they're quite a good example. Um, so, <laughs> so the other the other day, um, someone from the a lady from the Ukraine hub um, just sort of called me as I was coming down the stairs, and she was like, "I just love the toilets here. I, they're amazing. I just love being in these toilets." And I was telling Charlie that, and he was saying, "Yeah, the other day at food bank, there was um, a woman here. She was getting some food from the food bank, and she took her partner, her male partner, into the ladies' toilets." And I and I was like, oh no, this is a bit inappropriate. I better go and ask them to stop whatever they're doing. So so Charlie knocks on the door and goes in, and she's like, I just had to show him. I just had to show him the toilets. Aren't they incredible? I come in here and I go and I go, wow. Um, but there's there's something cool about that, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, it's and and, and most importantly, it's lives that are transformed. It's lives that show the goodness and life of Jesus. But I wonder, could we also use our building as a visual demonstration of what God's like? I'll mention another story about the toilet now, shall I? Because we haven't had one for a few minutes, a few seconds. Um, so this, is, this happened back in, in, in lockdown. And I think this, it, back in the COVID times, and I think this is an, an example of where building and people blend together to impact people with the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. So Jason, many of you will know Jason Shapland, and um, he's the one who did all the refurbishment of the gents and the ladies. And um, I chatted with him about this yesterday, and he's fine with me sharing. He was actually in a really dark place during COVID and in a, in a, very, in a very difficult place personally. And so he came to uh, do some, he repointed all of the, uh, the wall along there, that big retaining wall outside, did a lot of masonry repairs for us. And then he began to um, work on redoing the toilets. And, and if you weren't here, if you haven't seen them before, we used to have like the worst pub toilets. They were nasty, weren't they? They had a horrible smell. They were embarrassing to, for people to visit. People are like, where's the toilets? I'm like, <laughs> there's a disabled one there that's a bit nicer. Um, so they were nasty, but but um, so one day Jason is working on the gents, and a man in a truck comes and knocks on the door, and he's come from Devon. He's doing some driving, and he's lost. He's like these tiny narrow streets around here. I can't find anything. Can you help me? As he comes in, he sees the painting, the Charlie Mackey painting, which is on the wall there of the Prodigal Son, and he starts asking Jason about this painting, and Jason explains to him, "Oh, this is a picture of God." 
um, who's the father and, 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 and embracing his son. And, and, and that, that's, that's, that's who we are. And Jason shares with him the gospel really through this, through this painting. And this man is blown away. He's like, wow, I just came here needing some directions and I feel like you've totally, um, you, 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 you've really changed me. And he was so ecstatic, this guy, uh, that he said, actually, I've, a few years ago, I bought an articulated lorry's worth of bathroom tiles. <laughs> and um, like a, like a, literally a whole long truck of tiles. I've had them in my barn on my farm in Devon. Um, for a long time. I'd love to give you as many as you would like for your refurb of the toilets. And, um, and so, so Jason and I drove down to Devon one day in Jason's van and we went and had a cup of tea with this man and his wife on their farm. And, uh, and, he, and we walked into this barn. It was, it, was, it was colossal numbers of tiles. So all of the tiles on the wall in the gents and in the ladies are from this man's farm. And he gave them to us, having had this experience um, of meeting Jason, hearing, uh, seeing the Charlie Mackersy painting, and uh, and being really moved. And, and we sent him a, a postcard of the Mackersy painting afterwards. We connected him up with the church quite near to him, and we just had this wonderful, special time, special time with him. And I think for me, that's an example of how um, how wonder, art, beauty, space, building, prayer, um, uh, it, Redemption, you know, Jason's life being rebuilt as he was um, connecting with Jesus in fresh ways, as he was doing this restoration work. All of them were working together um, and overflowing into this man's life. Praying together, praying, I was just praying for 264 the other day as we, as we continuing to pursue buying that house as a house that can be a community house within, um, as, part, as part of Hope's ministry. And as I was praying for that, I was reminded of Jesus being accused um, of uh, just being a sort of, uh, having too much fun really. And he was, people, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law looked cross that he wasn't sort of more serious. And he was having, um, and he was, you know, have lots of meals with people and, and, and so on. And I felt that a thing that would mark the 264 community would be, um, would be laughter and, and joy and, 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 and a lightness about it rather than a kind of an intensity heavy faith project got to do this. Um, and, and, and we see that in Matthew 11, um, the, the teachers of the law, Pharisees, they're accusing Jesus of being a drunkard, a glutton, and, and, and I think they wanted him to be um, more serious and more kind of like, look, can't you see you're not following the law of Moses? You've broken the law, you've broken the Sabbath, wanting to call everyone up on the, on the things that they were getting wrong and the way that they were falling short of God's design, which of course we, we were, they were, we were. But Jesus' way of doing that was different, wasn't it? It was... It was um, the ecosystem of the kingdom, which is a wonderful place to be, a place that people that were described as sinners and tax collectors wanted to be with Jesus. They wanted to be around him. They wanted to, um, and he had a laugh with them. I love the way that The Chosen presents this. If you've seen any of The Chosen um, programs, uh, videos, they kind of, they, 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 I think they capture this really well. And I think of like the Ukraine hub, I think Joseph and Chloe and and Eden and Faith and Christy and Lynn, and the way you do the Ukraine hub, you have a party every week. You've had a party every week for about two years, Bouncy Castle, and the warmth of relationship. And for me, that's an example of that. You know, it's like, let's have, let's, let's have a party. This is, there's something about this, which is the, the ecosystem of God's kingdom. So, for me, this is some of what we see in this in this 
in this parable, some of this description of um, the kingdom of God. It's it's something that's beautiful. It's something that's organic. I think the garden imagery works really well. You have a variety of plants which together um, create this safe space, this place for flourishing. That think of this: that the mustard tree and how many different um, varieties and species of wildlife can flourish within that within that ecosystem. That's the the design for the kingdom. And I think this idea of God forming us into a garden here. Um, for me, I find I find that really helpful. That that includes the building, and it includes our our, our lifestyle and our lives. So, um, how do you participate more in the garden that is Hope Chapel? And I and by that I mean the people and the building um, together. And I just want to lean a little bit. Um, in, as we get into the kind of takeaways, the kind of action, into the community aspects of this. We focus a lot in as, as a church on the individual and um, we want to facilitate each individual being who they are, living out their original design so that that will benefit and change the world. And, I, and I'm not, 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 not changing any, st- still very much agree with that. But there's also this dynamic of how do we together as community um, show the world the reality of Jesus? How do we, what's our shared way of doing um, mission together? And I, I want to encourage us to think about, think prayerfully with God about how can we invest more in this, in this garden together? How can we be more all in in this, in this garden that we are together? Meeting together, worshipping together, building together with other believers And I'm conscious, I've said this before, that it will look different for different people. And um, so with, with the temple in the, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, people had different kinds of relationships with it. So the temple, it's not a perfect comparison to the church. That was the, that was the physical dwelling place of God during the time of Israel. Whereas now, God dwells in us. He lives inside each believer. Each of us is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's not an exact analogy. The, the, the church is not the same quite as the temple, but there are some similarities in terms of it's our gathering point. It's our shared, um, it's our shared expression. And uh, so you have different people. So in, there, was, there were Anna and Simeon, who in the time when Jesus was dedicated as a child and brought to the temple, those two would live in the temple, particularly Anna. She was there day and night fasting and praying. And for some people, they may feel called to spend a lot of time in this space, a lot of time praying, worshipping in the prayer centre, praying for the city, and having that kind of consistent presence in the building. Then you have people like King David, who um, was a really busy kind of national leader, politician, overseeing the affairs of the state. He would have had a rhythm of going to and, and worshipping in the temple, and he would have gone there for specific and particular decision points and moments but otherwise, he would have been busy in, in, other, in other locations. And then you have Daniel. He, wasn't, he was in exile 900 miles away from Jerusalem in Babylon. Couldn't be in the physical temple at all. But his heart was very much there. And he would, at three times a day, he'd pray, he'd be facing the temple. And I, so, so I want to encourage you that I don't think all of us need to be in this building uh, all the time. But I think God's design for showing the world who he is and what he is, is through believers being together. And it's through the, the, the beauty that comes from life lived together. So how can you um, connect more with uh, the garden? 
a few suggestions here. Do you have a significant decision to make relating to your work, your calling, your ministry? Do you need some breakthrough? Come and use the prayer center. It's a brilliant place just to just to come and to and to pray. Help yourself to a hot drink. Press the heating button in the winter time. There's a, um, a guitar and a piano, and you can plug your phone in. Um, we'd love to share the codes with you, so you can come and let yourself in and out of of the of the prayer center. Do you have a calling to pray for the city or a particular area of life? Establish a regular pattern of coming to pray here. Do you have um, a work or ministry where actually Hope Chapel would be a good meeting space? Could you bring your team from work and have a meeting here at Hope Chapel? We'd love you to, to use it. We want to blur the lines between this is my Christian life and this is my work life. God is bigger than that. He's more holistic than that. How can you violate these boundaries, as Marvin would say? How can we... So could you bring your work team and say, hey, come and let's meet in my church building this week and we'll have our team meeting here. We'd love to host you. Love to um, give you the codes to the building so you can you can use this space as part of your ministry. And in terms of here, a few people examples. Can you bring a person of peace, a friend, a family member, a colleague along to your life group to join you on the boat that you're part of ministering, ministering within? Can you bring them here on a Sunday? Can you look for ways to bring together your church community and your outside church community, inviting them to shared parties, events? If you see people that are new to hope uh, or not, invite them around for a meal. Um, basically, look for opportunities to take initiative and and to, 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 to strengthen this thing that we're going. If you're a sunflower, find some lettuces to, to, to grow alongside and to get, to get close to. Form garden together. And, and this isn't something that's, that's, that's easy. I don't, I don't have a sort of like a program that you can step into and say, yeah, I'll do that. I'll sign up to that. I think that, and I think that's part of the nature of, of the kingdom as well, is that it's not something that we are just a sort of a passenger in or something that we can just sort of put our name down to and then we're on this conveyor belt. It all happens to us. It takes quite a lot of work. And I think that will be your experience too. Um, but I want to encourage you, feel free to use Hope Chapel as a venue Feel free to um, to initiate, make opportunities, create connections with each other. Do you have a testimony that you can share with Hope to encourage others? We'd love to share those on Sundays or on our fortnightly emails or social media. Um, and I think I'll end... Oh, I've remembered uh, Aidan's deathbed, haven't I? That's right. So this is a cool thing. So, so, so we've got pagan England and... Holy villages planted in the land, and that becomes the northeast. Jane becomes the the, the the epicenter of Christianity in England, and um, and Aidan says on his deathbed. I think this is really extraordinary. He prophesies from his deathbed. He says that the English-speaking people are going to cover the whole earth, and they're going to take the gospel to the whole earth. Isn't that crazy? The Anglo-Saxons they were the pagan remnant of Rome. There weren't English-speaking people other than these pagans. And he sees that actually, and we know all the nastiness of the British Empire and, and, and the, the bad stuff that went with that, but there was good stuff as well. And, the, and, and, and English has been an, an international language that's spoken on most, you know, most continents of the world, isn't it? And, and with that has gone the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and that sort of prophetic insight, again, I think is the sort of thing that's designed to be birthed in places and spaces and people like Hope Chapel. That sort of stuff 
is supposed to come from the garden and it comes from creativity, Holy Spirit, inspiration, people that are wondering at God. You know, in, in the room we have various people and in the church community, various people who've you know, got strategies of change for the city and the nation um, that have come out of lives of, of, of prayer. And, and I think this is our design as well, is to be this sort of fertile space from which um, mustard seeds grow and flourish into trees and um, God's kingdom comes. So we're going to finish by Sam's going to lead us in worship. And um, I just want to say uh, again, uh, what a privilege it is to follow Jesus. Isn't it wonderful? Such a good life. And uh, we love, love doing that with you. Um, please feel that you have permission to to grow and to flourish. And that's, that's how, that's how uh, God's kingdom comes through. Each one of us being fully alive, fully who we are, bringing the calling that's on us um, to our community. So Sam's going to lead us in worship. Shall I, I, I'll pray. Could, could we stand? Would that be okay? I'm going to read this one more time. I'm going to read this one more time, then I'm going to pray. Jesus said this, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in their field. Though it's the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. We say yes to this, Jesus. We say yes and and agree that the world is as you say it is. And we want mustard seed, mustard tree, to grow in us and amongst us. We pray you lead us into being a flourishing garden community that shows the world who Jesus is. Amen.